Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Rihanna Milne, and she's a certified global life and love trauma recovery coach. And she's been in this business for over 22 years. And she is the best at what she does. She's a number one best-selling author and host of the podcast of her own podcast on lessons in life and love. And let's talk, Rihanna. Okay. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. What about yourself? Great, great. It's a beautiful day in sunny Florida. I can't complain. That's great. I'm glad you can see your background there, that how beautiful it is. Yeah, it's a fake. I got to be honest with you. It's, it's actually from St. Bart's, one of my trips there. Ah, well, what a nice memory to have when you were there. For sure. Okay. So tell me a little bit about childhood trauma and how it affects people and their love and relationships uh, later in life. Sure. Well, most people don't think they have childhood trauma. When I first did the research on this topic, I experienced a second love trauma and none of my psychotherapy friends could help me. They, we didn't have trauma in the DSM. And uh, I mean, if we knew about trauma, it was kind of towards the soldiers and their PTSD about battling in war. And um, I had a partner that, uh, you know, had a whole secret life. I call that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And it kind of exploded on him in the school that he worked on. It was a big community scandal. So here I'm the recipient of this um, backlash from his actions, which we would call love trauma. And um, his comment to me was, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. And I said, I don't know either. And I got to figure it out because that was the beginning of my healing. So seven therapists friends of mine, because I'm a therapist as well. We didn't know anything about this. That word was not even mentioned in my triple masters of psychology, childhood trauma, love trauma. No, we didn't hear about that. So um, I did some of the deeper research and read and read and read, and that was my healing. And uh, I uncovered, and uh, because my work at the time, I had many jobs, and one was working in a school uh, I worked at all grade levels at one time as a SAC counselor, student assistance counselor, helping kids that had trauma, working in a mental health unit for kids age five through 19, working in drug and alcohol rehabs with teens and also women from the prison system. So these were all people with traumatic childhoods. And I knew my partner had a traumatic childhood. So I just started putting the pieces together. Then I developed a childhood trauma checklist in 2012. And it's a tool I still use today. And I understand it's used around the world today. And it easily identifies for my clients what traumas they would have experienced and then I put the puzzle people pieces together of why, because of what they experienced as a child, it's showing up now for them as an adult. And there's two different types of traumas. There's 
big T trauma and little trauma. So big T trauma is what most people think of as trauma, like a major car accident where you might have broken both legs or something like that. Well, little T traumas are those ongoing emotional, usually events. They can be physical, some of them, but emotional events that keep occurring over time. And the child finds a way to cope with them. And as an adult, then it becomes normalized and part of the unconscious behavior patterns that just don't serve them today. Okay. Now you've broken this down further from the two big traumas. You also talk about 10 traumas that people can get into and let's talk about those. And so that people can understand these better, because I'm sure our listeners can identify with at least one of those traumas right now. Yes, correct. When I did the first research, they said 90% of people could identify with one to three. Now they're saying 100% of us have childhood trauma and the average number is like four to six. Um, and I think that was really due to COVID impacting so many people's lives. That was a trauma for many of us. But these are the top 10 that I came up with many years ago. And uh, they're still to me the top 10. And they uh, there are more. And I want my the listeners to know that childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So if you have it, your parents do, and so do your grandparents. So the first one is when you were young and growing up, either occurring inside or outside of the home, anywhere in your environment, did any of these things happen? So first is were any of your caretakers or parents have any addictions? So as an addictions counselor, I named 12 of them. There's drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was cheating, porn use, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism. And the last one I added is social media addiction. So that would have been the priority to that parent. Second is verbal messaging. So you might have seen your parents yelling back and forth, and that's how they solved an issue. Or they yelled at you when they were upset. Or instead, they could have been very quiet and shut down and not talked to you for hours or days if they were mad at you. Verbal messaging also means if you didn't hear the words, I love you, or get compliments, or instead got some verbal put downs like, you're stupid, what's the matter with you? Or I'm not wasting my money and sending you to college. Things like that, that really stays with somebody for a very long time. Verbal messaging. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. Number four is any physical abuse, hitting, uh, rape or molestation. And again, inside or outside of the home. Number five is abandonment. And I named two types, fault and no fault abandonment. So a no fault abandonment would be if a parent happens to die early if they went off to leave and serve their country for war, or if they traveled a lot. And um, this is how they supported the family, but they weren't home much. And that's all no fault. So a fault abandonment is never being involved in your child's life, being there while the couple was together or married. Then after the breakup, you barely saw your child. And the last one is an emotional type abandonment. They're physically there, but not emotionally connected. They're cold, they're absent. They might go from office one, eat dinner, then into office two and barely interact with the kids. The next one, trauma number six, is if you were adopted part of the foster care system or had to go live at another family's home, even if it's a grandma or an aunt, you for some reason couldn't stay with your primary parents. 
Number seven is the one that most people identify with. We call it personal trauma. It says you felt different in in a way or you didn't fit in. You could have been a chubby and overweight child and teased. You could have been identified ADHD at the schools. Um, You could have been skinny and gawky and called a nerd. You could have been of the African-American race and you went to an all-Caucasian school or even for my LGBTQ clients, you know, coming out as gay or lesbian and your family or your peers did not accept you for that. So many reasons people can see that, you know, trauma seven applies to them. Trauma eight is around siblings. Your sibling could have been born with a medical issue, giving mom and dad more time with them. Uh, They could have bullied you. Or most often it's when a child identifies their sibling as the golden child, the favored one, and they felt they couldn't measure up. So it could have been the star athlete or more handsome or beautiful child or the smarter one in school. And you always hear, why don't you get the grades your sister did or your brother did? Those kinds of things. And then trauma nine has two traumas now. Uh, One was brought down. It used to be number 11. And strangely enough, when I made this list, it wasn't too prevalent, but now it's one of the most common, which is community trauma. And that is the COVID pandemic and all the backlash going on with that. Um, It is our mass mother nature events, floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, ruining large communities. It's also our mass shootings, our school shootings, things like that. And also then the other part of trauma nine is family trauma. Of course, these community events do impact the family, but other things under family trauma would be if a parent was incarcerated, your family had to move every two to four years, like here in the U.S., a military family is moving quite often. That puts the kid as the new kid in school all the time. Um, it could also be you grow up with a lot of lack messages like money is tight. We don't have enough money for this or for that. And that really wreaks havoc a lot in people who are trying to be entrepreneurs and are afraid to invest in themselves to grow their business. You know, they're afraid money is too tight. So um, those are just a few of those. And then trauma 10 is mental health issues in mom and dad. And the two most difficult would be bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So borderline would be fast trigger anger. When they're good, they can be great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And a child never knows which one they're going to get. This person would explode at the littlest things and really catch a kid off guard. So someone with a borderline parent tends to be very anxious. And then bipolar is manic depressive. Depression can show up as anger, checking out emotionally or extreme fatigue. And the manic phase, a lot of people think, oh, that's the high and happy one. Well, it could be, but it's most often tied to an addiction like a gambling spree, a spending spree or a drinking spree. So those are the top 10 that I identified. Okay, so how do these reemerge in people's relationships when they become older? How do they come out and sabotage those relationships? 
Ah, many, many ways. <laughs> um, I'll just name a few so our, our listeners can understand. If there's jealousy or control in your partner, that usually comes from trauma seven and trauma two. Trauma seven, again, is those personal feelings of not being good enough, smart enough, cute enough, uh, comparing yourself to others, and you're afraid someone might take your partner away. Um, and also those verbal messages that you're not enough. So that's common. Uh, people pleasing and perfectionism is common. Usually males tend towards perfectionism and women towards people pleasing. And they did that as a coping and survival mechanism to please and placate the difficult parent. So, you know, to be the good little girl, then they won't yell and scream and punish me. So uh, that one is quite common. If you did experience abandonment issues, we see uh, jealousy come up. We see codependent relationships, love addiction, and something we call RRS, relationship repetition syndrome, where it can come out two ways. You have a partner, your conscious mind is saying, I know he's no good for me. And then your unconscious but, you know, he's better than no one. And, you know, he has some nice things about him. So you break up, you get back together, break up, get back together. And that cycle happens an average of seven times with someone with RRS uh, based with abandonment issues. And also it can show up. Let's say you had a toxic marriage. You break up, you listen to all these podcasts and summits, and it's like, okay, I got this right now. And then you go back out and you're going to attract another toxic partner. And then another one. I usually get them on round three. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I said, I get it. I didn't know either. So until that childhood trauma is healed and your conscious awareness is stronger than the unconscious pull towards a partner, which we actually call chemistry, then the unconscious is going to be in control. Now, that's huge. Let's go over emotional triggers and how they affect, uh, it come out of this destructive behavior and how they affect a person's life and maybe their business. Yeah, emotional triggers occur when something happens in your everyday life and it basically like pushes your buttons. So let's say uh, a normal pattern for a couple is the guys at work, he comes home, the wife's cooking dinner, you know, uh, but this particular day, the boss yelled at the husband and said, you know, what's the matter with you? You keep making mistakes. You're no good. One more mistake. You're out. And the message he always heard from his father's, you're no good. You'll amount to nothing. That was a trigger. So he leaves ticked off. He's angry in the car. There's road rage. He comes home. He's mean to the wife. He's mean to the kids. Because, again, this trigger was so overwhelming of his feeling not good enough. And when I have couples like that, you know, I have to do the healing for a couple, uh, partner A and then partner B so they understand each other's past traumas. And if he was working with me instead, he would get into the car and listen to some soft jazz and do the mental mindset work to say, okay, I made a mistake. He's upset. I understand why he's upset. I must correct it. And I'll be more consciously aware that I don't make that mistake again, but anyone could have made that mistake and uh, I'll just clean it up. And then he comes home to the wife and she goes, how are you? How was your day? And he goes, well, it was a little tense. 
And he explains why I felt for a moment emotionally triggered, but I knew where it came from. His message to me was what my dad used to say. And I just didn't want to bring that anger home to you. You know, that's huge. So yeah, how, how can people heal that, that unconscious trauma that's going on? I, well, uh, that's as, what this is all about. Uh, that's trying right. To get people to that space. Yeah, I'm a certified clinical trauma professional, which is CCTP. And I had to take extra, a lot of extra coursework to get that credential. And ideally, I work with my clients six months. And it's a series of skills, like I'm both a psychotherapist and a coach, but I do 95% coaching with my clients because um, I just love the model. It just really works. I'm teaching all kinds of skills that they need to do to help to heal the trauma um, out of their brain, their body, because it's a biological thing. Trauma stays stored in the brain and body. Um, we do vitamin therapy, meditation, mindset for success, spiritual concepts for healing, life balance, goal setting. I find a lot of women coming out of toxic relationships and we're in module two. I have a workbook. It's 150 pages they do with me. And up to model two is creating the life you desire. And they're like, I don't even know what I want. Like, I have no goals and dreams. Like, they totally were so codependent. And so uh, emotionally abused that they just feel like they have no goals. You know, they don't know. So we start from scratch. Well, what is it that you wanted to do, you know, before this marriage? What was your dream as a teenager, as a woman in your 20s? So we create that. And then we do the goal setting for her to start getting those accomplishments for herself. And as we do that, her self-esteem goes up, her confidence goes up. So all part one is healing the trauma, deciding what type of life you want, doing the goal setting, getting there, the balance in life and love, um, the mindset skills. And then part two is dating skills, the art and psychology of dating, I call it. And if they're a couple, that's when I do the relationship healing. Okay. That's how we do it. It's a quite an intensive process. It sounds like it. And it sounds like people that are so traumatized, they need an intensive process. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while to really get those skills from practice to common occurrence, right? It's not just you practice it a little while and hope you've got it. It has to really be because those triggers come initially for the beginning. And I say, okay, we have to take it back. Where did that come from? Why did it come from there? How can we correct it? That thought, you know, uh, what else can you say to be gentle and parent yourself? So there's a lot of different skills and practice. And I say to my client, we're working as a team and whatever they answer in their workbook sheets, I can see it and then know what kind of coaching they need. So it's very individualized. I mostly do one-on-one -on -one, and then I have a very small group as well, like 12 and under, because I'm very much personally invested that they all have their transformation. Oh, that's huge. So let's suppose we've gotten beyond that a little bit. Let, let's, can you name five things that an emotionally healthy, evolved and consciously aware relationship has? Sure. Um, this is actually was in my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, the number one bestseller, 400 pages. And I still had more content. I'm like, it's 400 pages. I have to stop. And uh, it's full of great information from my research. 
And this happens to come from page 294. And I call it the five F's, the foundation of great love. So the first one is the solid foundation, the ability to trust and be trusted. So you have confidence in yourself, your own decisions, your confidence. You like who you are individually, and so does your partner. And that allows for loving and kind communication. The second one is flexibility uh, and open-mindedness. So caring, both are easygoing and understanding. You're emotionally open. Um, you don't force your opinion on the other. You allow them their individual choices, whether it's about a president or the vaccine, you know, so it's that flexibility and respect that we are each in independent people as well. Fidelity is important. That means honesty, loyalty and loyalty and integrity. Integrity, I define as doing the right things when nobody's looking. So you're both being really honorable to yourselves, your values and the relationship. The next one is friendship. This partner should be your best friend, like a buddy. You should have a lot of good times together, laugh a lot, hang out, really enjoy each other's company. So that includes also respect, reliability, kindness. You know, think about how you act when you have a best friend. You know, best friends go on for life. Um, fun is the other F. You have to have a lot of common interests, hobbies, shared activities, but it's okay to have your own that they don't do as well. You know, one person may love skiing or golfing and the other one likes to be in the beach or a boat. You know, I mean, it's great to do those activities together, but sometimes, you you know, you can have your own. Um, intimacy should be a balance of love, deep friendship, daily affection, and fulfilling romantic gestures from both sides. Compromise, the ability to negotiate your differences and accept, accept each other's opinions, um, apologize quickly and easily and be willing and able to forgive. Stop pushing blame on your partner. Uh, two balanced individuals. So both partners are emotionally healthy. They both love their life as they were single before they met. So they love their career. They feel they're making a difference. They feel healthy, mind, body, spirit. Uh, they have boundaries. They're, they're, they've got purpose in life or in their work or as a volunteer. So two people like that make a great relationship. And the last one, and one of the most important qualities, believe it or not, was spirituality sharing those concepts together. And that doesn't mean religion where you have to go to church one hour a week on Sunday at the exact same time. That's a ritual. Spirituality is how you are 24-7. So two spiritual people have a belief and faith in something greater than themselves, which provides the guidance of doing the right things when nobody's looking and always thinking of your partner and saying, is this best for the team? Yeah, that's huge. Well, let's talk a little bit about singles and, and maybe some tips for them uh, from your, your live and love beyond your dreams books so that they can have something to go by in, in their lives. Sure. Well, there's all kinds of tips for them. But first of all, you've got to love yourself first. You have to heal from any of your past traumas. You have to feel confident. I actually have the dating readiness quiz where you score yourself in 10 life areas. And we want you to have an eight, nine or 10 before you get out there to date. So anything seven or lower, you're not quite ready. The thing is, it's a psychology of knowing when you have your life together, you're not going to settle for someone who does not. 
So that psychology of I'm a good person. I've got my life together. I have no debt. I'm a homeowner. I love my work. My kids and I are great together. You know, everything is working in your life. That's when it's perfect to go out and date. Um, you want to rid yourself of any cheap drama or negativity because nobody would want to enter into a life where that exists. So, again, if there's turmoil between you and your kids, get that healed before dating. Um, you've got to be authentically yourself, but be your best self. Uh, it's funny, like men have caveman brain. No matter what they do, they can't help it. They have a five second rule. They look at you and they decide yes or no. There's going to be a second date or not. And uh, caveman brain is made that way to procreate the race. So he really can't help it. So ladies have to understand you've got to look your best, fashionable, stylish, um, and walk in with a big smile on your face. You know, be happy to be there. And for the men, they have to understand cavewoman brain. Their first need is to be safe. So although men say must have chemistry, must like what you look like, women must feel safe before she can even think about falling in love with you. So we're two different types of animals and you've got to understand the needs of each one. Um, singles must know the questions to ask on each, um, each date. Our clients, they know by date one or two if this person is a one and done or we're seeing the second and third time and they know exactly why. So it's really empowering to know what the questions are. It is conversational, but those questions are really important to see if they're going to be a good match for you. And know what you don't say on a date. You don't talk about sex on the first date, problem kids, money issues. Um, you know, there's just some things. This is a first meeting. You know, could this be a new friend? You know, take the pressure off yourself and just look at this person in front of you and say, hey, how you doing? You know, it's a new friend. Look at it that way. And but at the same time, you know, be aware, be consciously aware, ask some good questions. So you really know who this partner is in front of you. Now, those are huge. Rihanna, <laughs> the time has flown by already, as it always does. It sure uh, does. Perhaps you can give us a way for people to get in touch with you and find out more about your world and your books? Sure, of course. The best place is my website. It's my name, rihannamilne.com. And when you're on the website, I have a free ebook there. I also have the four free love tests. One of them is the childhood trauma checklist. And one is a red flags checklist that you can take about your partner. Uh, I have free book chapter downloads for both live and love beyond your dreams. I think it's the first 60 pages of each book. And then my podcast is called lessons in life and love with coach Rihanna Milne. Uh, it's on every podcast platform, but on my YouTube channel, I have probably 250 audios and videos. So lots of great education for you guys out there. Well, thank you, Rihanna. And thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Thanks for having me, doctor. Have a great day. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic day.